A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Any information being shared here is not intended, nor does it constitute financial, tax, legal, investment, or other advice. Before making any decision or taking any action regarding your finances, you should consult a qualified financial advisor. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Thanks for signing in again. Um, Today on the chair, I've got Vangile Makwakwa. Vangile will introduce herself, as we always do on this platform. But today we are starting a different series. And this series talks to Black people and generational wealth, whether you want to call us Black or Brown, I'm too fussy, whichever way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me, it's, it's, it's one topic that I'm quite passionate about. It's a topic mm-hmm. where I'm hoping I'm going to learn something. And if there's anybody out there that uh, walks this journey with me, I'll be grateful. And I'm really going to be having different um, people having this conversation with me and just interrogating on what can we do differently, whether we can do anything differently or we just need to accept the status quo, which I think I'm refusing to do. I think for my family and my generation, I would like to do things differently and and have kids and our kids' kids having a different story. And hence, we are having this conversation. Vangile, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Mpume. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, so as I say, please introduce yourself. People always do a better job than me. <laughs> okay. My name is Vangile Makwakwa, and I am the founder of Wealthy Money. I am the host of the Property Magicians podcast and the Money Magic podcast, two separate podcasts. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. And I am also the author of Heart, Mind, and Money, Using Emotional Intelligence for Success, And as a human, I am someone who has been building their company as they travel around the world. I've lived in over 12 different countries in just the last, since 2014, but I've been traveling and living in different countries for the last 15 years. So I've lived and worked in many, many different countries. (laughs) Um, I've been uh, doing this. I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. So I've been doing this as I travel and um, have been working on my money story for a while. So, yeah, that is me. That is what I do. Oh, wow. Just that introduction is powerful. So for people that don't know, I met Vangile on Facebook. It's amazing the people that I'm bringing onto onto my channels that I've met on Facebook. Yeah, so something (laughs) definitely came out of of social media. (laughs) 
I love social media. <laughs> yeah. So I met Vangile on um on on Facebook and I remember the formal that I had the first time I ever heard about you because I was seeing all my friends talking about the bank challenge and they were carrying on and I'm like why am I not in this thing? Because what is this all about? And I was feeling so left out. So, so I started following Uvangile with the view of the next time she has a bank challenge, I'm in it because I, I just knew I needed to deal with my money story. And, and this thing, like I didn't even know what it, it was about, but there was something that just said, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um. So the following year you did it. I think I was the first person to actually even say, please send me information. <laughs> but yeah. And it's what, nearly two years later that I've I've known you and, and I've gotten to know you as a person, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And I can have a totally different conversation with you about where my money story is at. Yeah. And Amazing well, thing. Really, that didn't happen from the bank account challenge. That happened from the Money Magic course because after the bank account challenge, you signed up for the Money Magic course. And that's where your shifts really started to happen. But I like the bank account challenge because it's this beautiful introduction into exactly. But if money. I had not done if I had not done the bank challenge though, I I I you know. Because as I was going through it and I was realizing um, the things that I needed to deal with, the, mm. the, my nervous system, what I, the, all the things that I think I was working with, yeah. it really was just mind opening, eye opening to say, if you don't sign up for this thing, mm. then you're not going to heal. And mm-hmm. that for me, I think, I thank you for that. And, and this, it's something that I've really taken out of it because now I can, I can sit there. I know how to deal with my anxieties. And that was the one thing that I was battling mm-hmm. with, anxiety around money. Um, mm-hmm. How do you deal with debt that you've just been accumulating and accumulating mm-hmm. and you pay it off and you go back? And you don't understand why you're doing these things. So it's mm-hmm. all those things. And, and that for me, I think has been, yeah, like you've impacted a life and that that I can tell you where I'm Aww, sitting. Thank I'm really you. Grateful. I'm really, it's really It's awesome grateful. that you are able to get out of the constant cycle of debt, paying off debt, getting out of debt. Because I think that's one of the saddest things that I see, right? Is that people don't understand that like, Debt is not about, that is never about the money. And so someone will pay off debt and get back into debt, pay off debt, get back into debt. And these are things that we don't, we don't talk enough about the consistent cycle of debt. Why do people keep getting back into this cycle? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm very, I'm very grateful. But today, Vanit, let's talk about this generational wealth topic. And 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 how do you define generational wealth? You know, like I think generational wealth is wealth. So I define generational wealth in many different ways. I think I've got two prominent ways of defining generational wealth. So generational wealth is also very structural and systemic, right? Mm. Is that like it's wealth that you build that will outlast your lifetime. 
the kind of wealth that when you have the right systems in place, when you have estate planning, you've got your trust in place, you've got all the stuff, it's that it's a kind of wealth that you've got trust fund babies that from your great, great, great grandparents, you're still living off of that wealth. And that's because there was a trust in place. There were, execu- there were executors in place. There were all these things in place. So that then creates generational wealth. You build wealth today, but it's the kind of wealth that when you pass on, it is passed down from generation to generation. It outlasts your death. Whereas for most of us, we see it, especially in our communities where you're like, oh, so-and-so, they're such a wealthy family. And then the person in the family that was bringing the wealth, be it the dad or the mom, passes on. And then suddenly the wealth passes on with them. It just ends. You know, Mm -hmm. so-and-so is left a will and then they blow everything and then three generate, like literally the grandchildren are like, oh, grandpa used to be so wealthy. That for me is, that is not generational wealth, right? Like generational wealth isn't that we just make wealth and then it like we're wealthy in this lifetime. It's that I'm building wealth, but then I'm also ensuring that this wealth will be passed on from generation to generation and I'm putting systems in place and all that. So that for me is generational wealth, is that my children will not have to worry about food or accommodation or just a lot of life's basics or even pleasures because I've already put systems in place that will take care of that for the next three or four generations. And I think this is so new within our community. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know everything about that, but I'm on a journey to also figure out what does that look like? talking to people, understanding the laws, understanding what trusts are, understanding all that. So that's one aspect of generational wealth. The other aspect is I think that we don't talk a lot about this is that, yes, even when I have those systems in place, how do I ensure that like my descendants are not just like, just your, what we call the trust fund babies. We all have ideas of what a trust fund baby is, right? It's like, you're, Trust fund baby, you have all this money that's coming to, through to you from, uh, from the trust, but how are you adding value to humanity and to yourself and how do you grow that wealth? And for me, I think that that is the next aspect of, gener- aspect of generational wealth is how do I bring, how do I create an image such that people think in a particular manner about how they give back to society, about how they're human as humans on this planet and add value to humanity. And also how do they think about money? So that like, because my greatest fear isn't that I'll leave nothing to my descendants. It's that how do I ensure that the descendants that I have give back to humanity, understand that this isn't, that as we are doing this, that your job is to also keep adding to the pool of whatever this wealth that I start, that I'm starting is, whatever it is, even if it's just a little bit, right? I don't know what's going to happen by the time I die, right? I could add just, it could be just like a pittance, but whatever that is, or if it's a huge amount, how do they keep adding to that? But also how do they then keep being 
good members of society. Because I think that this is where we start also talking about legacy. And legacy is, I know we talk a lot about legacy within um, the community these days. And legacy seems to be this thing of um, money, the legacy that I leave financially and business-wise. I do not believe that's what legacy is. I believe legacy is how much, how many humans can you touch in this lifetime? How many people can you serve? So when I'm thinking of generational wealth as well, I'm also thinking about the legacy that we leave for our children in terms of being a human being. What does it mean to human? What does it mean to be on this planet? So actually that's what keeps me awake more than the financial stuff, believe it or not. It's like I keep thinking when I have kids and their grandchildren, how do I impart like human stuff? Like how do I impart what it means to live a life of integrity? Am I living a life of integrity? How do I impart what it means to live in accordance to your values? How do I impart living truly being alive, like being true to yourself, being honest Mm -hmm. with yourself, being authentic, showing up as a member of the global society. And I think that is another part of being of generational wealth. It's that thing of legacy. And if you think about it, these things, they seem to be completely disjointed at surface level, but they're not. Like if you have wealth, and you're known for wealth, right? And your children are, and that's being passed down from generation to generation. And your children are living in integrity, human values, and they're giving back. It makes sense that that will also then add to the wealth pool because doing your business, people will want to do business with you, right? Because as you become more visible, people that will become part of the family legacy, It will be, oh, we want to do business with these people. We want to get into bed with them, right? It's kind of like in Game of Thrones, like how families were known for certain things. Like a Lannister always pays his debt. And because they were known for that, it's like you could always loan a Lannister money and they will always pay their debt. So it's that kind of thing. So for me, I look at generational wealth from these two things. And they, I mean you know from the work that I do that these things for me are not separate. They are one and the same thing. They feed into each other as well. Because sometimes you may not have money, but your reputation, the way you do business, what you, how people see you and how you embody your practices and what you stand for may be what the very things that open up doors for you. It doesn't mean that you have to be good by society standards because I certainly don't fit into a lot of what society considers the good girl or the <laughs> this is what has to happen, you know, but at least you embody what you stand for and you stand for that. And when you no longer stand for that, you make it clear that you've learned or you've evolved or you've decided something else, all that, and you are the embodiment of that. Yeah. No, that's that's quite interesting because, I was having a debate with somebody to say, you know, legacy gets thrown around as a word or over. Mm-hmm. And and for me, there could be good or bad legacy, you know? Mm-hmm. We always assume that the legacy is, is always good. Yeah. And sometimes there could be bad legacy that is being passed on from generation mm-hmm. to generation. And, and I think we need to be 
personally, I think I want to be intentional about yeah. what does that look like. Yeah. And, and, and there's a part of me that says, I think I was brought to this world to, to change some of those generational things within, yeah. within my own family. And, yeah. and with the hope that in the next five to 10 generations, things mm. will, 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 will be for the better financially yes. and from a big level for me there's the financial yes. part is there but as you say even just from a humanity stance yes. there's yes. also that big thing that I just think um being good people being whatever whatever yeah. all that means so yeah. my worry always Vangile comes up to say what if we just have that one child or that one piece that one weak link that messes up <laughs> that messes up the chain like what happens how do I rule you know, from like the I think I thought about that too and I think like even as I say all this I think all I can ever do like one of the things that I've learned on my journey is that I am never responsible for anyone else's actions right like I can influence another person's actions with my behavior I can be a crappy human being and trigger another person and they can react in a certain way I can be marvelous being the best of energies and that influences a person but at the core like also I'm such a believer in like Khalil Gibran when he says that your children are they come through you or something like that but they're not yours you know like it's that it's that whole thing that I truly believe that every soul is so unique. I don't know what, I don't know what my kids will be like, right? When I eventually have kids, like, I don't know who these souls will be. I don't know what kind of experiences they've had in other lifetimes. So, and I don't know what kind of ancestral stuff they will take on whilst they are in my womb. I do not know any of that stuff. And so a human being will come out and be who they are. All I can do is be the best version of me or try to be that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as I saw on social media a few days ago, someone said, I was talking about how they saw on Twitter, someone said, be your favorite version of yourself, right? So all I can be is try to be that favorite, best, higher self version, whatever version you want to call it. And I don't think I'm going to get it right at all yeah. times. And, and yet at the end of the day, so souls. I keep thinking how many parents do best. They give everything to a child and do everything. And that child turns out to be a particular way, right? Because yeah. every soul is on their journey. So this is where like, I think surrender also comes into place, right? Like I can leave this kind of legacy. And my children may look at me one day and be like, mom sucked. All she did was drive was drag us from country to country. And so I don't feel connected to any land, you know? Like, yeah. who knows? I could completely traumatize my children like that. Again, like, I don't know. Every human being is unique. But at the end of the day, all you can do is live 
All I think all we can do is look to the best of our abilities with the knowledge that we have and try to aim for that version of ourselves that we feel we would love to be that feels like it's the best or our favorite version, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think honor that human being, honor your child and their journey. Yeah, no, I know. In fact, there's nothing much that you can do. They always say hope is not a strategy, right? But but you pray <laughs> you pray to God that it turns out differently. <laughs> but so 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 but you I know think, what it is also yeah. um, for me. I was gonna say like socialization, like how when you drum things into children, like you're hoping, I'm hoping that you drum, like we drum certain things are into them so often that like it's yeah. like ooh, it kind of like. You know, you remind them, be a decent human being, be generous, be this, be that. But somehow, like at some point, even that starts, even though they are like engineered against that, every so often, 50% of the time, those teachings come into play, right? That's all you can hope for. I feel that, you know, I feel like my parents did their best and they were like, get a job, go to university. And I still came out and was like, yeah, that's just never going to happen. I'm never going to go to university. Um, I, I mean, like, and then eventually, like, they kicked me out of the house and I had to go to university. But then I drew the line at have a career, get a job. And I just didn't. But I grew up yeah. hearing all that. And you grew up, I grew up seeing partially that. So that's how, like, I know for a fact from me as me that, you can do everything and your child will still come out and be like, I don't understand any of the stuff, so I'm not going to bother. And I'm always yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm going get, to get a child exactly like me. God, they say that is the, <laughs> that is the greatest oh, thing. against everything. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'll have a child that barely goes to school. You drop them off at school. They run away. They do everything. I'm like, oh, God. That's why I'm even like, no, I'm homeschooling. I know the drill. <laughs> that is your, I feel like that that's the thing, right? You can totally and, do your best. And this is a unique human being. And I think that's yeah. what makes and, human beings frustrating and exciting. Exactly. And I know I've got three kids. And and <laughs> I've, put, I've put a child, I've got an adult daughter and I've put a child through university and I just remember dropping her off. And I think I've never oh. even said this to her. Dropping her off, there was like, you want to, I, and I stood there with like, we're okay. And we had found her place. We dropped her off. Every As I was driving away, I was like, oh my God, I've got no control anymore. The yeah. only thing I can rely on is whatever that I've taught her, yeah. She, my mother brought her up as well, whatever mama taught her, and yeah. and, and prayer for me. That, those are the only things I could yeah. think about. Because I'm like, what else can I do? Nothing. Yes, nothing. And letting, letting go is the worst yeah. thing that you can do. With the younger ones, they're still here and you've got control. You can pick them up, drop them off. But other than that, as a parent, it comes to a point where you're like, I don't know. Go do what you need to do. Let it go. Oh my gosh. That must be so, that must have been so hard. But I see it all the time, right? It's that like 
you really cannot control another human being. You cannot. And I mean, I see it from myself because I think I am the extreme in so many areas in my life. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what the society I've been living in taught and how it's brought up. And I've lived in enough countries to know that like my ideas and my ideologies and my way of life of living is just like so out there, you know, (laughs) most times that it's just like, and I can't tell you how I got to be this person. This is why I'm like a human, like most souls come onto, into this planet often with a sense of this is who I am as a soul, you know? And there is nothing you can do most times to stop that. And I think also it's such a shame if you try to stop that because too much of that is then you stifle out and you snuff out this other soul's entire sense of being and self-expression and everything. And this is what's happened with so many of us, right? So many adults are out here and they're like, I don't know who I am because who they've had to be is someone that has been pleasing your parents, pleasing others around you. Like, how do you fit in all that? And so by the end of it, you wake up one day and you're like in your thirties and you're like, I don't know who I am. This is so awful. And it feels terrible. And it just, and there's so much anger and upset around that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's quite interesting, but I think, so that's, Going back to our, (laughs) at the core of this conversation, I think as Black people, we don't have these conversations a lot, mainly around Mm -hmm. generational wealth. I think think most of the examples that we've seen come from more white people that, you know, they've they've built, they've built um, these legacies, they've got this generational wealth that have been passed from one space to other space. So you, at some point you mentioned something that it, there's also a system. And I think there's a system that has kind of worked against us as Black people, if I might yeah. call it that. Like, what is your take from that perspective? Sure. I think because the system requires us to like be educated not and all times not really um I want to backtrack from that um because I hate that word to be educated because it has so many connotations around degrees and things like that um but the system basically I think more than anything is knowing the people who can help us put systems in place to do this. And a lot of times it's that most of us haven't uh, been exposed to those people. We haven't, and I always just say to people, like most times it's that most of us haven't sat at the dinner table and have, we haven't grown up having conversations around trust, around wills, around life insurance policies. We've grown up having conversations around funeral policies and things like that. So we haven't grown up having those conversations. And so, and often, I don't know about other people, but for me and my family, whenever money was brought up, it was like, you are the reason why I don't have money. You're always asking for money, all this. So money was always spoken about as this resource that is running out. And there was, and whenever money was spoken about because of that, there was so much anger, so much frustration. You want me to spend money, etc. We were never having, and even till this day, I see it a lot in the 
finance sphere, especially in South Africa. Personal finance is always about how do you save more? How do you save, save, save? So even the um, uh, investment vehicles that were given, other retirement annuities or your pension funds and all that. And that is what is then considered like, oh, this is how you're going to save, save, save. Whereas the conversation is not, how do you grow income? How do you create passive income? How do you expand? You know, and so, and I think this is why I do the work that I do, right? And because, you know, that's like a lot of the work that I talk about in the Money Magic course is like expansion, expansion. How do we expand? How do we create more money? How do we create? How do we make more money? How do we make money as we sleep? Passive income, all that. We don't have those conversations. Talk to anyone, even working people who are very much earning a huge amount in South Africa. Everyone is talking about how do you save. Saving, important, but literally it is, I would say, I would go, I would go as far as to say it is 20% of the personal finance conversation. And yet we have made it 100% of the conversation or at least 90% because people are not talking about how do you grow income. Now, when we talk of generational wealth, we need to step into that space. And so, yes, it's one systemic, but also we're not having those conversations. And a lot of it is scary because expansion has so many fears. When we're talking about expansion, we're literally saying, I need to let the part of me that has been in struggle mode die so that I can step into an identity of expansion and growth. And that often means that has so many connotations for so many of us. And then it means we need to learn how to set boundaries in place, how to have uncomfortable conversations around money. Whenever people see us expanding and making more money, how do you then navigate that? It means going into spaces where you start having conversations and sitting down with estate planners, with financial advisors, with all these people, with um, investment advisors and saying, what does this mean? What is this? What, what are you talking about? So if I do this, what are the implications of that? It means sitting down with tax, uh, with tax accountants, all that. Most people don't want to do that because money is such an uncomfortable topic. But until we get, and so it's comfortable talking about saving because saving is I'm working with what is and I'm taking whatever little bit and then I'm holding on to it for dear life. And then, but when we're having a conversation on expansion, it also means how do you grow those savings? It means taking risks with money. It means parting with money. It means building things. It means starting companies. It means investing in things. So now you start having these fears and oh my God, palpitations around, I have to let go of money. I need to pay for mentorship to learn things about money that I never knew. All mm. these things. So that's, I think that's really systemic in that regard. But also I think a lot of it is extremely emotional and it's a lot of our trauma stuff. And again, I I still cannot fathom, if someone can tell me why are so many personal finance institutions or financial institutions and financial services companies in South Africa keep having this annoying conversation just around savings, save for retirement, save for this. We have families that are constantly growing. People are giving birth. 
people's kids have to go to school and yet they are being sold the same kind of product as like the 70s. People are not being told about building portfolios in terms of building real estate portfolios. You're not being told about exchange traded funds. People are not being told about share investing. They're not being told about how you can build, you can be silent partners in someone else's business. People are not being taught about offshore investments, all those things. You don't have to do everything, but you can do one of those things and it would still be building generational wealth in a different manner, right? People are not then being told. Never once have I seen these financial services companies talk about trust, you know, talk about sit down and talk about go talk to an estate planner, you know, start telling people about estate duties and taxation upon death, all those things. What these are wealth conversations. This is literally it. But we can be told many times about saving for retirement. Here's the thing: you save for, and what happens when it runs out? When we're talking about generational wealth, we're talking about how do you create wealth? So even when I am dead, my children are still earning money. Yeah. Yo, I get I get very triggered because because I look back I look back to when when we came out of varsity and and you graduate and you are first month of not even first month those first few days of you starting work and if you walk into a bank the only thing you were told about was getting into some graduate program and you thought you you had arrived because then you're being given a credit card you're being given an overdraft and 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 all these things and and you you feel like you've arrived because you are coming from you're coming from poverty yes. you're coming from not having so yes. now you're being given these things and you don't have a mindset that says you are taking other people's money and you're just going mm. to be spending it and then you start having to pay it back. Mm. Like, like you find yourself having these credit cards that you got when you were a graduate that you've just been paying off and paying off. It's like, oh my God, what's happening? And who was there to tell us, Mbume? Who was there to tell us otherwise? So I'll tell you. So me, with, I'd gone, I'd already, by this point, I'd already done my MBA um, in Boston, I had already got my finance honors um, degree at UCT. And then when I decided to work with my financial advisor, Janine, whom you guys know, because I've brought her on several times to share things, you know, my first thing was to her, she was like, okay, we're going to look at your portfolio and we're going to set up an investment portfolio. She asked me all these questions. Now I'm teaching personal finance at this point, right? But at the time I was still like paying paying off my $60,000 in debt. So I was still in the savings mindset and Janine sits me down. I was like, all I know before anything else is I need a funeral policy. True story. This was my first conversation with her. Because what, what did I know? That's what I sat down to do. And she looks at me, she's like, we're not doing that. 
I'm like, oh my God, as my financial advisor, you can't say that. Do you know what I'm dealing with? Oh my gosh. And I freak out and she just lets me freak out. She's like, can I tell you now that you're done? And Shanine is so calm. She's literally like that. She's like, okay, now that you've got that out of your system, can we talk about why you're not going to get a funeral policy? why you're going to get a life insurance policy and how we're going to structure this life insurance policy, why life insurance will always beat out funeral policies. And she's like, do you know how most people build wealth? It's actually upon their death. So when you pass on, you leave a lump sum of your life insurance policy to the people that you love. And we can then talk about how do you then invest all that and what happens upon your death so that people can benefit from this. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, with a funeral policy, you're going to be paying similar, the same amounts of money, funeral policies, et cetera. And yes, you'll have that lump sum to invest, but you'll have that money to pay for things when people pass on. But what happens afterwards? Like, what about the lump sum where people can get like two million upon your passing in one go? So where yeah. instead of paying 500 rand a month to be able to afford something that is 30,000, to afford the funeral at 30,000 rand, you pay that amount and someone gets like a million, 1.2 or 1.5 million upon your death and you've been paying that same amount. I was just like, what the hell? So I was like, so what am I going to do when someone passes on? She's like, let's talk about that. You can have an excess bond, which you decided against. And then she's like, Maybe you can use your unit trust for that. You get the money in 48 hours, but as you're investing, you are able to put in money. And if something happens at home, you can withdraw that money within 24 to 48 hours. I was like, are you serious? And that's literally what I've done for major family uh, emergencies. Uh, but at the same time, it's like you are investing. So that money is making a return on investment. I don't have to wait for... a tragedy like death to be able to access that money right so it was such a mind shift but let me tell you if I did not sit down and have these conversations and ask these questions and have someone who knew what we were doing and what we were working towards I would have just been uh, taken on the retirement annuities the pension funds all these things because that's what I grew up with And to think that, and now like, that's why I'm like, it's not about education because I had all that education. But when it came to the practical implementation of it in my own life, I didn't know, right? So it's when I was sitting down with someone who was like, oh, and she was like, and I was like, okay, so what do we do? So we do the unit trust, we do this. And I wanted all that because Ingani, I'd studied for this. So now I want to be like smart. That's what I've heard. She was like, okay, can we just sit down and relax and we can talk about your five-year vision? What is it that you, where you see yourself in five years and 10 years and 15 years? And then can we just build up a life and an investment portfolio that aligns to that? And because you don't have kids, we can start off slow, you're in debt, we can do this, we can do that. So, and then also I learned that investments, like right now with Shanine, we had a meeting just like, three weeks ago, it's like, okay, now this needs to change. As you're talking more now about you want kids, you're thinking in this way, let's start changing the portfolio in this way to start reflecting that. Let's start uh, thinking about you investing in this, doing this, doing that. 
But I didn't have that growing up. So I had to go and get that support and start having those really, really uncomfortable conversations for me. And it was because part of me was like, well, I studied this. I should know it, you know. And then I had to be like, it's okay that I don't know. You know, it's okay that I'm in spaces where I don't know. And it's okay that I freak out whenever we have these conversations, you know, where I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you want me to invest in this right now? This doesn't make sense, you know? (laughs) And then having those conversations. And and we don't know what we didn't know, right? Um, But but I get angry. I think that there's a part of me which says, I think some of these financial institutions could have could have done us better if you if yeah. you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, but we're in a capitalist system, and it's all about and it, it is what it is. I think now I I feel that um, we we know a little bit better. Some of us were business finance students, like seriously. Yeah. Some of these things we should have right. known. Um, but it is what it is. And, and now we can do better. And, and now we can teach other people or we can mm. um, make it easier maybe to have the conversations because yeah. I think the conversations are still quite difficult in, in, in some spaces. It really yeah. becomes tricky to have this. And, and for me, it's about yeah. let's just let's give it ease. These are things yeah. that we need to talk about. We might not have mastered it, and frankly, I, I'm like no way. But there's an openness to to learning, yeah. and I think for me, that's the most important part. But, I think but where, so. do we, where do we I start? That is the this? most important part. Like for professionals that are out there that are starting out, like where do we start? What is just that one, one or two steps that at least you need to you need to look you at. need to work on your emotional stuff like there's there's no other way like I keep saying this by the time I started getting like I have so many as you guys know I have so many different coaches and mentors and all that stuff but for me to get to have these conversations with someone like Shanine to get to have my uh, property mentor and to hire him and to have the conversations that I had. I had to work on my own stuff because like a lot of it is that because I was too scared. I grew up like everybody else in the world that gives us, that checks us and gives us gold stars for being a person that knows a lot and for having all this knowledge and theory. I had to work on it's okay I had to give myself permission to not know and to learn how to be okay not knowing I had to be okay making mistakes because I think one of the biggest things is that we berate ourselves for making mistakes around money and so that also keeps us that also holds us back so I had to literally be like with all this stuff this education that I have around finance it's okay that I don't know it's okay that like I go to people and I say teach me I don't know and to keep working with my own emotions because a lot of it was fear like oh my gosh like 
And like also my impatience, I want to see things happen overnight that when I put in this money, I must have the rate of return must happen tomorrow. And I see so many people come to me. uh, So because I see people going and they have those conversations, but then they'll check out of the ones where we're talking about, oh, this is going to be 15% ROI per annum. And then they go and they're like, no, this person said that I'll get 15% per month. I've had, you know, like I have, even with the work that I do, like I've had this happen with my own family where I'm sitting there. I'm like, guys, this doesn't make mathematical sense. Let me sit down. And like, I've had, I had this one year where my family got involved in some crazy thing. And I kept saying 15% per month doesn't make sense. Like, trust me, this is a scam. And they went into it hook, line and sinker and they took everyone and they wouldn't listen to me, right? So it's that. And like, they lost money in that process, but we've had conversations around that now. We're like, now they're like, oh, um, what do you think of this? And I'm like, okay, this, like, as if you read it, this is what you can expect in investments that makes a lot of sense as well, right? But I think, Having those conversations requires us to be calm, to be open, because it doesn't matter. So the reason why I bring up this um, family thing, right, is it doesn't matter how incredible you are, how much you're surrounded by people with incredible knowledge. If you are not emotionally ready and your mindset is not there, You will not hear this information. It will not seep in. It will not come through to you. So this is why I'm like, you need to do your work around money. Because if you're like all anxious and scared and dealing with shame, the shame, shame blocks us from going to ask for help, from going into spaces to listen and implementing because, oh, now people will know that I'm not perfect. So then we don't take action. Yeah. Wow. Becomes real, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It really, really does. And the, as they say, adulting is 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 something else. And because <laughs> we we can't just keep being kids. At some mm. point, we need to we need to show up, and we need to yes. show up for ourselves. We need to show up for our kids. We need to mm. show up for generations to come. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't want things. And and I can sit here and I say, I, I know those spaces where you had somebody who was wealthy in the family. And yeah. by the time they 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 die, there's nothing. You know what I mean? Exactly. And nothing. And you're just thinking, I I we I want better for for some mm-hmm. of us. So we must go out there and do what we need to do. And even yeah. stand in the gap for our families so that these things don't repeat themselves because we can fool ourselves, but some of the things repeat themselves in within generations. And and we don't want that. Because also we didn't know like those people were making money, but they didn't know how to pass on that knowledge to their children. Because again, money isn't something that we sit and talk about at the dinner table. And yet it should be something that we sit and talk about at the dinner table. Most of us will be like, okay, and I hear this all the time where people are like, I'm brilliant with money, I'm great with money. And what people mean is that they're great at budgeting. That is one aspect of money. Money as a field is vast. I mean, 
Even people that like have lots of money will tell you, oh my gosh, I don't know about hedge funds. I don't know about this. It's a vast field. So then we stay at that. We go like, no, I'm great with money. Like I'm always able to take a dollar and stretch it. I'm able to stay, to take a rand and stretch it so far. Yeah, but what about making that rand make more rands? Yeah, That is also another aspect of money. And I think for me, that's the biggest aspect of money. <laughs> Just making sure you stretch that, that rand to make more rands, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. It's really, it's, yeah, no, it's something else. So, so I think, Vangile, the, how do we change the status quo? So we, we put ourselves there to, to learn and, and be vulnerable about yeah. not knowing, right? But is there anything else that we can that we can pull into this generational wealth conversation? Yes, we have conversations. I think also I'm a big believer in surrounding yourself with people that are doing things that you don't know about that are epic. Surround yourself with the people that are investing and using money differently. It is uncomfortable. And most of us, what I've noticed as we get older, and it's something that really baffles me, is how most of us just stick to the circle that we know, right? This is my circle and this is what, this is the circle that I know. And I like, but then like they're discussing things that you already know. That has never made sense to me because you are my circle. You're discussing things that, that I already know. If you want to learn about something that you don't know, you have to go into circles where people are discussing things where that you don't know. I think that will happen. And this is really a huge thing. I mean, a lot of my work is around healing generational trauma. And a lot of the blocks are actually on a physical level. So go into spaces where people are normalizing, talking about huge amounts of money, spending huge amounts of money, investing in different things that you've never heard of, having conversations about various investments that you're just like, what the hell is that? How do I even get into that? What will happen is the mom, as they talk about that and their entire nervous system is regulated around that, what happens is that over time, your nervous system will start to regulate around talking about investments and making money at that level. And suddenly, like, as you start to think about those huge amounts of money and those investments, you will start to feel regulated. And here's the thing, like, I, a lot of these communities that I belong to, like, for me, I did this, I do this a lot with business, right? Where people are talking about, when I started my business, I didn't know how to scale a business. I didn't know how to grow my business in terms of traveling, etc. So I immersed myself in those communities. I joined masterminds. I paid for masterminds. I paid for so many communities. I didn't know a thing about marketing. But the more that those conversations were being had, my nervous system was regulating to that. And it was all virtual. But I was... I'm still immersed in those communities, right? And so it just now becomes second nature. Oh, okay, this is the business goal, setting it, going after it. And so I've learned that it's not scary. Entrepreneurship is not that scary. How did I do that? I just surrounded myself with people that allowed my mind to expand to such a point that 
my belief systems and my ideas of what is possible financially and in business started to constantly be questioned. Like my reality was being shell-shocked constantly, you know, Mm. and that is absolutely important because like being in those communities meant like I, it was harder for me to keep holding on to those beliefs and my nervous system started to realize that it is safe to let go of them and to start healing and working with the body to release that. And the minute that happened, I started just being open to having those conversations, to talking about things, you know? And that's when like the beautiful shift started to happen because then I could ask for referrals and say, hey, I heard you talking about ABCD. Please, can you refer me to this person? Please, can you help me? Um, uh, Please, can I have uh, this person's phone number? And then also not being embarrassed when I get there. I'm like, yeah, the person that referred me has 10 times more money than I have, but I'm here and I'm working towards that. Can you help me? Can you sit down with me? And I, I think like literally there's this belief, what I see, the mistake that most people make is that I will go and I will be in those circles when I get to that level. That's ridiculous because how you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what it takes to get to that level. Like I didn't know what it takes to build a business that allows me to travel. I had to be in those spaces where those conversations were happening so that I could know what what it took, know the things that I didn't know so then I could become that person. It's really that simple. So most people are like, I will get into into those communities when I have figured out and I'm one of them. And then they spend like 10 years trying to do something that could have taken them a year to do because you're surrounded and you're in a tribe that's already doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that, but that on its own, it's a mindset shift, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it also talks to your, your belief system as well, because for me, I think the biggest thing is, and I was saying to you um, earlier, the biggest thing for me is find people that have walked the walk, yeah. have conversations with those people. And yeah. what you find is that people are all, most people will be willing to share their experiences yeah. and find ways to collaborate with other people. Mm-hmm. And it can't just be about you and you and, and invest, take the time to invest in yourself. Yeah. And because sometimes we also want freebies. We also just want, <laughs> we don't want to yeah. spend time. We don't want to spend money on ourselves to mm. get that knowledge then to be able. And because some of these communities, you, you might need to join them. So be prepared yeah. to join that community and, and, and yes. invest in it, isn't it? Yes. Wow. I'm yeah. so glad that you said that because that is so true. Some of these communities, you have to be prepared to, Uh, join them and to pay and to do all these things. I agree. So I feel like, yeah, like I just think, think about how it's funny. Like I, I wasn't always comfortable talking about money and even having these conversations at all. Like I always say to people, people think I'm joking when I say this, but like they are friends that can vouch for this. You could ask me how much is 
the carton of milk at the shop. And because you said how much and it involved money, I would freak out because I was brought up to believe that if you talk about money, you're greedy. It means that you don't want to help your family. So I had all these connotations. So talking about money used to like throw me for a loop. Right. And I used to completely freak out in that way. So I had to be in spaces like I always say, like, oh, my gosh, like this is what I love about the Money Magic student group, because the more that I spoke about money every day there and like I noticed that it was safe, the more confident I became talking about money. Right. And so then I like I just realized that it was safe to talk about it because I became the living proof of that. So it's one thing to theorize. And I think most of us love to have these money conversations and be theoretical about them, that everyone is like talking about this is what you need to do to save, to invest. But until you implement it and you start living the thing and you are learning how to do it and you're making the mistakes, it will always just be theory. At the end of the day, what I love about money as well as a concept is that you it requires you to also implement and to embody the very things that you teach. That's the true journey. Because otherwise, I had like all the knowledge, right? Because I'd studied finance. I had all that stuff. And yet I couldn't translate it into my personal life. And I think mm-hmm. like doing also just taking this as a journey, not thinking that like, oh my God, I need to have it all. I need to know it. Like once I realized that I don't need to know Jack and that's okay. And it it can be this long journey. And as long as I want it to be, it completely shifted everything for me. Yeah. I think that openness, openness to the learning Mm. and knowing you don't know what you don't know and it's okay. Mm. And that takes, that takes a lot. Just be okay with the fact that you don't know, isn't it? Because ego plays in, shame comes in, um, the expectation that you have got a degree and everybody thinks you should know it all plays its role in all all these things. And yeah, Yeah. Vangila, we can go go on and on about this topic. (laughs) (laughs) So, So what are the three things that you at least you want somebody to take out of this conversation. I don't know. Like if you've already heard, it's not like if maybe you've heard me uh, talk, you'll notice that I'm not really talk giving practical advice around money. And Pume will tell you that she paid off her debt doing the work that I teach without me ever telling her to cut back on expenses. In fact, like, Everyone that works with me will tell you, they'll come to me, they'll be like, I want to go on this really expensive vacation and I want this really expensive dress. And my first thing was, we'll be like, go buy the damn dress. <laughs> I like literally, and people are like, how do you, how do people then get the results that they do when working with you? The first thing I want you to know is it's not about the money. It's about almost everything else but the money. On the surface, it seems like your issues are about the money, but it's not about the money. A lot of it has to do with all your ideas that you have around money, your trauma, ancestral trauma, your um, emotions around money, the your nervous system whenever you're dealing with money. So it's not about the money, I promise you, right? And then the second one is nobody does this life thing on their own, honestly. 
Like if you want to go, I'm such a big believer in that, in the African proverb that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together, you know, that you don't have to do this money journey on your own. How I didn't, you know, like, I don't think I would have paid off $60,000 in debt, 60,000 US dollars in debt in less than four years, if I was doing it on my own. Because how, what did I know about money and paying off that amount of debt? And I was earning in South African rands. You don't have to do it alone. It's okay to go look for support and to go ask for a tribe. And the third thing is give yourself permission to get it wrong and be imperfect and make mistakes. Like literally, like just as long as you're taking a step to make some, to do something, you know, to make the shift and allow yourself to pivot, keep pivoting. Yeah. So maybe you thought it was all about budgets and now you're learning that, oh my gosh, you've lived your whole work life and your whole work career, making it about investing for pensions, doing retirement annuities and saving, and you've been frustrated. And now you've learned that, oh my gosh, there's more to this. And it's not only about that. Allow, give yourself the grace to pivot. You knew what you knew then. You got good at saving. You got good at retirement stuff. Now you're like, okay, to build wealth, I need to learn this. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Keep making mistakes, keep pivoting, keep learning. How, guys, like, I talk about this and Bume knows I make so many mistakes, even in my business, where I'll be like, oh, my God, I just spent so much money on this. Like, oh, my gosh, had I done this thing differently, this would have been different. But I learn lessons from that all the time. So it's okay to make money mistakes. And I know this is such so important to keep saying because I think most of us aren't able to let the money mistakes go. And then we create a story that says that I'm bad with money versus I just made a mistake. And maybe I've been making the same mistakes years and for years and years, but that's only because I didn't know. And I was not, I was only allowing myself to be exposed to the limited knowledge that I know around money. And it's okay that you made those mistakes. Pivot. Yeah. Wow. And and who and who hasn't made mistakes around money? Oh gosh. I, I feel like I I teach this thing. I have like so many incredible coaches. I have a financial advisor, all the things. Like Shanine will share sometimes, like how she'll she'll remind me, she'll be like, I told you not to do that. But then in the meeting, you were adamant that you knew better than me. You know, and every time I'll be like, Shanine, you're actually trained for this, you know, better. Next time I'm going to listen to you. Next time I'll be like, no, no. <laughs> and, I, and then I go back and then we figure it out as to how do I pivot back? Yeah. Just being open, being open yeah. to, to taking the chances. I think for me, that's, that's the main thing. Be open to take chances, learn. Yeah. Um, know your money story and 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 yeah. make a decision be intentional if you want to change it or not because yeah. if you see patterns that just keep repeating themselves yeah at the end of the day you must do something about it True. and but you are the only person who can do something about it nobody yeah. else can. 
Not your mother, not your sister, not not your kids, not your husband, not your wife. Yeah. You are the only one who can take a step back and go, yeah. I need to make some changes and, and then mm-hmm. work on yourself. And you, as you say, it's never about money. Yeah. I still love my chai soy lattes and I will have them any day. Nobody's Thank going to you. tell me to cut them out of my budget. <laughs> I still love fancy Airbnbs. I still love travel. I'm not going to cut back on that. You know, I think it's just not about the money. It's about so much more, you know? Yeah. No. Thanks, Vangile. Um, so to anybody who was listening to us, Thank you for staying with us for these conversations and please share, follow, not follow, you're already following, but share, um, comment, give us feedback on on what you think and what other topics you'd like us to really um, speak about. Vangile, where do people find you on social media? Um, You guys can find me online at wealthy-money.com. Check out the blog. When you land on the website page, it's awesome. You can scroll through. We tell you all the different things you can check out. So you can check that out. Um, And then you can find me and Wealthy Money on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. There's a free Facebook group also where I sometimes go and have very controversial conversations just because I love that. And they're usually around money. And I talk a lot about trauma. Um, I'll sometimes have like free trainings. So you can go check out my free seven-day training at wealthy-money.com forward slash training where it's all about unlocking ancestral money wisdom. So it's a seven-day training to help you unlock ancestral money wisdom. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash training. And on all the socials, just look for Vanille Makwakwam on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So thank, thank you, you so much. I really, I really appreciate. Oh, thank you, Bume. Thank you, everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, Please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Ngubedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.